Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm especially great now. My two favorite things, great customer service and music. So <laughs> That's a long list, though. That's, I, I, there's lots I have of a lot stuff of favorite list, things. Right? I just can't decide. <laughs> All right. Well, along those lines, as Greg's alluding to, we've got a special repeat guest here with yeah. us today. Uh, a special supply chain leader from one of Greg's favorite brands. Is that right, Greg? Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Yeah. I was introduced to, to uh, Sweetwater. Sorry, gave it up on you, Scott. Um, by my uh, product VP at my last company, who is a session guitar and keyboard player, pretty decent singer, and and an absolute stickler for outstanding customer service. And Sweetwater is who he held up as the the top Golden standard of the list. Yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, and you know, of course, we have occasion to buy some audio and video equipment occasionally. <laughs> Maybe the Odd guitar. So, yeah, I've had my own experiences with them. Well, you know what? With all of that said, that glowing, glowing endorsement, but heartfelt and genuine, no further ado, I want to welcome in Phil Rich, Chief Supply Chain Officer with Sweetwater. Phil, how you doing? Great, Scott. Greg, glad to be back with you guys. Good to see you. Yeah, good to have you back. It is so nice to have you back. I tell you, it feels like it, it, feel like it was just a few weeks ago, but man, it has been, it's been a fast, I'll call it 18 months or so. Uh, so great, great to meet you. And we got to give a quick shout out, uh, by the way, Phil, uh, as we're coming on pre-show, Justin, uh, our production engineer has been, I think, a Sweetwater customer since 1996, as Justin put it. So um, I'm sure he is he is edge of his chair waiting to see uh, from a supply chain standpoint how y'all do what you do. Mm -hmm. um, so, Phil, let's do this. Before we get into more of the Sweetwater story, let's kind of refresh our understanding of who you are, Phil Rich. Mm -hmm. So tell us, first off, where did you grow up? And then I've got a quick follow-up question for you. Okay, grew up split between East Tennessee until uh, about the age of eight or nine, and then Phoenix, Arizona would be up through high school. Okay, and and um, I'll tell you how, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to, this follow-up question is gonna have to hit both of those locales. So uh, give me one of your favorite food dishes, both in Tennessee in that earlier stage of your life, and then in Phoenix where Greg's got some part some common experiences with you? Well, Tennessee, uh, I'd say strawberry rhubarb pie, man. <laughs> I mean, the rhubarb grows pretty darn uh, tasty out there. <laughs> really? Tasty, and so do strawberries. Uh, so yeah, love that. And uh, out in Phoenix, I mean, you just can't go wrong with good old fashioned street tacos. I mean, yeah. one of my favorites. All right. So, Greg, uh, ask and, and he shall deliver. Uh, you, you spent some time in Phoenix. Those street tacos, were they as addictive as uh, Phil was pointing out? I'm more of a burrito guy myself. I love tacos. <laughs> but um, we actually had an adaptation when I was out there of something of this group of restaurants in San Diego they call the Bertos. And they make these giant burritos. They make tacos also. I bet I'm, I have a feeling you probably got some from there. <laughs> 
Um, but what I loved about Phoenix, and I don't know, Phil, if you ever experienced this, was you could go to two Mexican restaurants, literally one next door to the other, order the exact same dish, and it would be made totally differently because yeah. they're from different parts of Mexico or different family recipes mm. or whatever. It It is so far, in my experience, impossible to, bleat, to beat the Mexican food in Phoenix anywhere in the States. Yep. Same, Phil. Um, all right. One last food question. You know, we love talking about food around here. When, <laughs> when you first said Tennessee, I thought for sure, especially how you paused, I thought you were going to say, Scott, you moron. Of course, barbecue. Um, so I, you took me for, a, I've never had strawberry rhubarb pie. So I'm going to get with Amanda on that. What? But I've never had it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Are I'm you really a Southerner. I mean, <laughs> but I I'm must. A, um, the Midwest and I've had it. <laughs> uh, well, Phil was, so is barbecue part of that early stage of your, your upbringing? Uh, it was out, you know, I spent a lot of time out on a lake called Watauga Lake in East Tennessee. And just the fact that we kind of lived out there most of the time, barbecue is just part of daily life. So I yes. didn't think of it as being all that special at the time, but it, <laughs> but it really was looking back on it. Just a staple. Yeah, it was what it was. You know, it, it is so funny. Uh, Greg, to your point, exactly. It's just a staple. We, we take for granted these things that we have access to every day. And those are for, uh, for many others, that's part of their food vacations. You know, take, yeah, good point. people are paying to wind, wind their way through different states for barbecue and, and other things. Um, okay. Uh, nothing, well, not too many things pair as well with food as music. And Phil, as you've got sitting there in your lap, some, some of our uh, listeners from your last appearance with us will recall that you're one heck of a guitarist. So oh, when did you, uh, when did you first start playing? Who got you involved? Picked up the guitar around age 11. Uh, my mother was actually, she played, you know, just, just strummed on an acoustic guitar. She wrote songs. Uh, she actually recorded a record when I was a teenager. Wow. And, uh, and my dad was a, like a church music director and he played trumpet. So there was a decent amount of music going on in the family. And of course, every kid who has an older brother kind of wants to be their older brother a little bit. And he started, you know, playing rock guitar. He got a Stratocaster and a PV amp. And so I just wanted to rock out. So started at 11, uh, joined the Navy at 17, ended up in the Navy band at 19 and, and did that for six years. So I, you know, kind of played every day for six years, straight, uh, gigs, all kinds of gigs. So yeah, wow. it's been an important part of my life for a long time. You Who's know, better? You or your brother? Oh, I'm so much better than him. Yes. <laughs> Not even close, man. Hey, you know, um, well, every day for six years, I would I would figure, but yeah, yeah. I, and I'm sure you don't hold that over him at all, ever. <laughs> oh, I, I only bring it up five, six times a year, maybe. <laughs> you know, I had forgotten that part that you served in the Navy and you're part of the U.S. Navy band. Um, I'm sure that you, you could write a book on those experiences for six years. Um, and, and you're going to play us out at the end. But really quick, you, you were a moment ago, you were playing an iconic tune that Greg said he can name in one note. Oh, yeah. Mm. Greg knows the tune, right? Yeah. yeah he, well, he was yeah. Did you want me to name it? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Wish you were here. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, th- I didn't realize you, you wanted me to name yeah. it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Greg, you do not win the, th- uh, the wanted, grand I- prize today. I thought I thought we were going to let him play it through. So, oh, okay. I, was I mean, just listening. In all honesty, <laughs> you had me, Phil. You had me. 
And I'll, honestly, I was hoping Greg was going to start singing to the, your tune, uh, uh, Phil. We'll see if we... we well, there's we'll a see. long guitar lead into that. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. And you're a long true. way from vocals. That's yeah. true. All right. Maybe on the uh, way out, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Pink Floyd pro as I am, uh, as I'm giving myself up here. Um, all right. So finally, speaking of bands and musicians and clearly, gosh, uh, if I heard you correctly, your mom actually uh, recorded um, and dropped an album cool. and your dad played in the church. Uh, great mm-hmm. role models there. But uh, whether it's them or whether it's others that we, we may be more familiar with as, as um, music enthusiasts, who, what, what, what are your favorite bands or musicians of all time, Phil? Well, probably the band I listened to the most over such a long span of time is Rush. I'm a big enjoy Rush a lot. I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting Alex Lifeson, having dinner with him, just wow. because of being in the business. And he's he's a wonderful guy. And yeah, that's I'd have to say that band sits at the top. And there's plenty more on the list, but there's one. I was this close to grabbing my Rush T-shirt instead of my Metallica <laughs> yeah. T-shirt. So, uh, ever ever met Mr. Roboto there, Phil? Mr. Roboto. Yes. Mr. Roboto. Was that, it's not, that's, is that Rush? No. Or is that Sticks? That's Sticks. I uh, always get them confused. My bad. My bad. All right. Um, <laughs> so I'm t- I'm All right, Phil. Him, I'm that's, telling myself. I said he's here. out. He's out. Forget it, man. <laughs> all right. So with all of that said, and I appreciate your uh, your uh, sense of humor here, um, let's switch gears and let's talk about Sweetwater. So as Greg and, and Justin, we were talking on the front end, of course, we use a lot of your equipment and really have come to appreciate um, how your company does business. But for the handful of folks out there that may may not you know, use AV equipment and, and, music, and you know, musical equipment, what does Sweetwater do? Uh, Sweetwater sells musical instruments uh, and uh, live sound equipment, recording equipment, all kinds of stuff. And uh, since I talked to you guys last, uh, we started selling band and orchestra equipment. So we sell trumpets and trombones and uh, saxophones and flutes and clarinets and all kind of stuff like that. But whether you want to do something like this, if you want to record audio at home or you want to build a multi-million dollar studio or you got a club or a church that needs audio, whether it's uh, speakers in the ceiling, just cranking out music and announcements or a big PA system, microphones, you know, the stuff you guys are talking through and listening through right now, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we sell. And uh, we've just grown tremendously. And, and uh, e-com is our, is our primary uh, channel for that. We do have a beautiful award-winning retail store here, but we're primarily uh, e-com in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and the company is headquartered where again? In Northeast Indiana, in Fort Wayne. Okay. Fort Wayne. You know, Fort Wayne, we're talking about this last time you were with us. Fort mm-hmm. Wayne has really uh, played a major role in innovation uh, uh, over, over the decades. I, I, w- I want to say that Fort Wayne, and check me if I'm, um, if I'm off the mark here, Greg or Phil, um, I believe the first ever home video console was developed in Fort Wayne, Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. We'll double check that and add, wow. add a link. Greg, uh, that's a trivia question. I don't know. I'm well, there's a, there's a long history with uh, could be the the, the the long history with Magnavox. Yes, Wayne. yes. And Magnavox is really no longer a presence here, but so many people that live here that are generally older uh, worked at at Magnavox when it was in its heyday. Well, um, that, that's exactly it because Magnavox uh, developed that came under the name of the game system. They developed the first 
uh, home con- home video game console in the states, uh, right there uh, in Fort Wayne. So um, it's a shame they're not around not as much that. anymore. Yeah. Okay. So Greg, uh, with Mr. Phil Rich, where are we going next? Well, I'm a huge fan of your customer service, so we have to talk about it. I mean, it's legendary, top notch, right? Of course, the gold standard, as Scott said. I'm curious how that became such a big part of your culture and. I'm also curious, do other companies come to you to learn Mm. from you? Well, it's a big part of our culture because it's been a big part of our culture since day one, since, since Chuck was a one man operation all the way to today, you know, he always wanted to uh, deliver the product on time and in great in perfect condition and exceed expectations. And that's why, you know, originally when he had his recording studio, you know, he would leave the tapes out in his mailbox and he'd add a little bag of candy, you know, just to say thank you. And we still do that today. We add, we put candy in every order, but it, it's, it exists because we talk about it every day, Greg. We talk about it in our executive meetings. We talk about it in our, in our uh, team meetings. We read customer letters and all the way from the top of the company to the bottom uh, we're solving customer issues every day. We don't put them off and say, oh, that's not important to me. Somebody else's problem. I, that's everybody's problem and uh, everybody's challenge. And, and, and we love doing it because, you know, what's better than making customers happy and winning them over for life? You know, we, we do talk about, we, nobody wants to make mistakes. Nobody wants to have customer issues, but when you do, it's an opportunity to make a customer for life. And, and that's how we approach it. And it is. I mean, I can vouch for it. I've gotten some of those bags of candy, <laughs> the occasional microphone or cable or maybe a guitar or something. Um, yeah. so, and I really appreciate them. I'm always, uh, by the way, I'm always um, asking for extra Smarties whenever you can, whenever you can get them. Just- I mean, let's not talk about supply chain and candy. Oh, boy. I do not believe the shortage of candy right now. I um, bet. You know, uh, we have talked about that actually on the show and amongst yeah. ourselves lately because some of the pro- products that go into candy are, they're in very short supply. And I imagine similarly, you've had, you've had challenges like that in your industries. So I'm curious uh, because supply chain is such a huge contributor to your ability to convert on the customer promise to deliver on time mm-hmm. in, you know, in full and, and, you know, an impeccable quality. What what is maybe your favorite aspect of getting to be chief supply chain officer at Sweetwater? Well, certainly being on the front lines of of solving those issues is super uh, rewarding. Um, I think one of the best parts for me is bringing our vendors into that sort of what I'll call that huddle, you know, really with our top 25 and beyond, because we've got, you know, about 700 vendors. Mm-hmm. So uh, bringing them into there, we s- since the last time we spoke, uh, we rolled out a tremendous new B2B site with all kinds of uh, forecasting and inventory health reporting. And we really put so much more data and information in front of our vendors. And just to open their eyes and partner with them at every level has has been one of the most fun things to do because uh, it makes everybody better. You know, when you get together and you share data and you talk about trends and what's going on, and it's kind of sounds like old hat, but when you accomplish that at every level of the company, 
um, you know, that's where a true partnership lies. And, and that's super rewarding for me. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, in, you know, we talk all the time about the fact that you, you can make promises anywhere you want, your website, your marketing materials, your, your sales pitches, whatever, but they have to be delivered through the supply chain. That's, you're the last people to touch it before it goes into the customer's hands. So yeah. it's a critical, critical part of it. And I think until recently, until recent events, Phil, I don't think people recognize that as a supply chain function, you know, the del delivery of customer experience as, as part of the supply chain function, but it really, really is. Yeah. And, and um, I, I think it's just, it shows that, that your, you guys' commitment is completely circular. In fact, it reminds me that I owe my, um, my sales rep an email back. He's probably, <laughs> probably concerned about well, me. So on that note, Greg, I'm glad you touched that on that because uh, that's one of my favorite parts as well. Uh, and, and every you, you don't find that in 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 so many companies. So Phil, speak to that if you would for a second, because you do assign the person you buy from uh, at Sweetwater. They they stay with you, uh, and and they can you know they get to know your business, they get to know your needs, your preferences, mm -hmm. and whatnot, right? Absolutely, yeah. We we call those uh, folks sales engineers. Uh, we have um, just about six hundred of those people today, and Gosh. they're developing those relationships with customers, you know, and. You know, I was just out at the NAM show that happens every year. You guys may be familiar with it. That's the, oh, yeah. our industry trade show. And I'm talking to uh, a guy I haven't seen for seven or eight years. And uh, he says, man, you guys make it so easy. I just, I can just text my sales engineer and say, hey, I need this. Uh, can you ship it to me? And he gets a text message back. Sure. What credit card do you want it on? Here you go. And he goes, oh, do it on this one. And then it ships. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he's talking about what a unique experience that is versus trying to call up a music store and talk to somebody and get them to really care about you. And so, I, you know, it brings a level of concierge service. You know, we, we take folks, generally they have some sort of a recording or audio degree. We bring them into Sweetwater. We take them through what we call Sweetwater University for 13 weeks. It's not just training on the fundamentals of product. But we take them through things like the seven habits. Uh, we take them through um, other important lessons, like don't just do what I tell you to do, uh, to think for themselves. We teach them how to have what we call a perfect conversation with a customer. We just do so much uh, to prepare them to talk to customers because we, we really feel that that interaction is the most important thing that we do. And, yeah. and, and they do a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, that's what creates customers for life. And that's why... Justin, thank you, Justin, has been a customer uh, for so long. Yeah, that's unbelievable, a customer for that amount of time. Agreed. And really quick, for our listeners, of course, Phil is referring to Justin, our production engineer here today, uh, who's off screen and, and doing his good work. So, Justin, appreciate what you do and appreciate you sharing your part of the uh, Sweetwater story. All right. So, Greg, um, where are we going next with Phil Rich, who's dying? I think I think we're gonna, we might get a whole set. Go ahead and field. play. You can play while we're asking if you want. I, I know you're dying to to rip a few notes on that thing. Oh. So go for it. <laughs> if I but could you know, play Chuck like Surak, Phil, I'd be dying for sure to play. Yeah. Chuck Surak, who's your your founder and CEO, is um, 
you know, kind of the center, like any good leader is of, of all the culture in your organization. And, and even with everything that's been going on over the last couple of years, sustainability has become a huge issue for supply chains. And I think much like you all have engaged your, your uh, suppliers to recognize uh, other, you know, how collaboration can, can improve performance, um, I think a lot of companies, and obviously you all have recognized that sustainability is a critical part of, of what you guys do. So I'm curious, um, tell us about some of the things that, that you're doing to convert on that, on that promise. Yeah, well, since the last time we spoke, uh, we did a very uh, intensive review and an RFQ for all of our packing materials, all of our corrugate, our tape, um, you know, what was the environmental impact of those? How could we, how could we use the least amount? Um, uh, we, uh, we now scan every single product that comes in. We know exactly what the dimensions are and we recommend the smallest packaging, uh, possible for any of those boxes. And we've really, um, you know, we've partnered up with our carriers to do, uh, some special things to, uh, to lower the carbon footprint. One of those things, um, that we've done is zone skipping. So instead of, you know, just sending trucks to the local sort center and then multiple trucks go out multiple directions, you know, we're really dropping full trucks and moving them across the country and, and dropping them into sort centers and hmm. just things like that. All those little things do add up to, uh, to an impact that, uh, that we believe is important. Hmm. I, I think that, you know, it's, it is important because you, everybody has a page on their website nowadays. Right. Yeah. Not everybody, to quote the great Kelly Barner, not everybody is converting that into action um, in, you know, in their operations. And it's not an easy thing to do because there are a ton of trade-offs, right? I think we have to acknowledge that to, the, to our, our community here, but um, there are a ton of trade-offs. But when you start to make that one of the key priorities of your supply chain, just like optimizing cost and demand fulfillment and, and you know, and speed and reliability and all those things, then it goes into that mix and really can, can create other efficiencies throughout the supply chain. So uh, it's, I mean, like, like you guys, like I'm not a big enough fan of you guys already. I think that's really cool that you guys are working that stuff into it and doing so thoughtfully and including your trading partners, right? I think that's critical. It's not your supply chain. It's all y'all's supply chain. <laughs> well, you know, Tennessee. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because it does seem to be part of, you know, what I've heard thus far. And it reminded me of our first interview, you know, uh, just how intentional you and the Sweetwater team, the culture is about investing in relationships. Right. Uh, you were talking a minute ago, but, you know, bringing uh, 700 vendors or suppliers that you have, bringing them in and, and uh, really uh, uh, immersing um investing and deepening those relationships, right? Uh, you mentioned the data side of it earlier, but it sounds like also you're exchanging ideas related to sustainability so that you're really, you know, rising tide lifts all ships there as well. Is that right, Phil? We're, we're sharing that, um, absolutely. And just in the last few months, uh, we conducted a survey with our entire vendor uh, community about employee well-being practices. Mm -hmm. And we just completed that. Uh, we felt really, really great about what we heard uh, on that survey. And just this last week, uh, 
we communicated back out to the whole vendor community and gave them some uh, things to think about and some resources that that they can use. You know, we have a lot of small vendors, right? We have a lot of guys making pedals in their garage or maybe a 25 employee company all the way up to billion dollar uh, partners. And we do just, we do want to make sure that they're thinking about the right things as far as uh, making sure that the factories that they source and that the labor that they use are, are all in really good standing and people are treated fairly around the world. Love that, Greg. Yeah, that's critical. That's absolutely critical. So, you know, obviously customer success, customer support, customer experience, sustainability, and, and, and the reliability of your supply chain, huge priorities for you. But maybe in the last 18 months or so since we last talked, you may have had some other things come up, you know, maybe a global pandemic here and there or other supply chain challenges that have hit you. So I'm curious, where are your priorities and where do you see your challenges today? Well, uh, one of the top priorities right now is is a new fulfillment center that we're uh, just about to open out in Glendale, Arizona. We're really excited about it. Um, you know, the primary purpose of that fulfillment center is to reach the the 25 to 30% of our customer base that lives out West. And, and mm-hmm. right now the transit times aren't ideal for those customers. You know, uh, Amazon prime is a lot more attractive yeah. <laughs> than, than what our carriers can currently offer. That's, that's affordable. So uh, we're going to get really close to those customers. And, and I think that we're going to see a, a little bit of an increase in business for that, but there's also the, the environmental impact of that with uh, a lot less uh, distance to cover with trucks. And we're real excited. It, not only does it help us cover the West Coast, but it really gives us the whole country in about three days uh, or less everywhere. And so, again, we're super, super excited about that yeah, one. That's really good. And and it doesn't hurt that it's near Phoenix, so you can get street tacos whenever you visit. <laughs> right? Trips will be made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tacos will be consumed. Tacos will be consumed. <laughs> um, uh, so, I'm sure that was purely coincidence. I mean, really, a lot of math and science, in, for, in case people don't know, go into where oh, yeah. to put a facility like that, right? So You beat oh, me yeah. to it. You beat me to it, Greg. That site selection, and and, and I'm not, you may not can reveal a lot there, uh, Phil, but is there anything you can speak to there of why Glendale and, and, and some of what y'all's process look like? Yeah, sure. I mean, the process was um, probably what you'd expect. Uh, extensive network studies on uh, time and transit and capacities and sort centers and, you know, the ability to move to move boxes around. We really looked at the labor market in depth and in a, in a lot of cities out west. And, and uh, you know, the one interesting thing about Phoenix is it's really moved up to be the fifth largest metro in the country. I mean, wow. there's just a lot of labor there right now. The city's growing, uh, the city's investing. Uh, so it's a real exciting place to be. And, you know, you can probably imagine who some of the other competitive cities are, but then there's the availability of just buildings in general. And so any one of those, uh, any one of those three can be, you know, can be a heartbreaker when it comes to to pick a location, but Phoenix really checked all the boxes and, uh, you know, we were quickly able to, to lease a building out there. And, um, man, if you've driven up and down, you know, the Southwest side, Goodyear up to 303 in Phoenix lately, 
I don't know of anywhere in the country that more fulfillment and distribution centers are being built. It is very true. Absolutely incredible. Outstanding. Exciting expansion ahead. Uh, yeah. This is really cool. And it sounds like you'll have to be building a bigger Sweetwater University to, as you onboard a lot of uh, new family members, right? Yeah. You know, growth. It's fun. It's challenging. Uh, and yeah, we just have to keep continuing to grow the organization, but we want to stay like a small company. We want to continue to feel and be agile like a small company. And, and we will. We'll continue to do that. Love that. Uh, the values-driven organization. Uh, mm-hmm. Great to sit back down. So good, Phil. Yes, that's right. You want a customer's opinion. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, as we come around the corner and come down the home stretch of our time here with Phil Rich uh, from Sweetwater, um, yeah, a lot as as Greg mentioned. uh, Goodness gracious, uh, it has been a um, a, a challenging uh, in new ways, old ways, you name it. Over the last couple of years, what's been one eureka moment? that's really stuck with you maybe since uh, your last time with us? Well, I think that normal was closer to where we were last time we talked, even though it was a, a more abnormal, but things have changed quite a bit more since. Um, I think a lot of these eureka moments that maybe we could talk about, I want to talk about, I think what the most simplest one is, and that is, when we started connecting everybody at every level to our vendors, the conversations that they were having uh, became so impactful so quickly. And I think in the old environment, you might have one person that owns a relationship or maybe two people that own a relationship, but now supply chain heads need to be talking to supply chain heads and forecasting people have got to be talking to forecasting logistics. People need to share information. And I think that the Eureka moment is just share as much information as you possibly can make all those connections, have multiple people up and down your organization talking to your vendors and don't try to coddle those, hold them close to the chest and keep information because conversations are the fastest form of communication that we have. And so we need to be having conversations regularly with our key vendors and partners out there. And that's, that's how we're going to keep a lot of that agility. I was talking about earlier is got to have those conversations. Email's not fast enough. It just Mm -hmm. isn't. If things are moving too quickly. You've got to get on the phone and be talking to those folks regularly. And that that's been a big Eureka moment for the whole team here. Uh, and it's, it's fostered communication. Like I have never seen it before. It's, it's really been amazing. I love it. Real is mm-hmm. real. It's one of the things I'm picking up on and an email isn't good enough. Uh, and you know, it sounds like one of the breakthroughs uh, your team has had is, is while some of those things will get the job done, they don't deepen the relationship enough uh, to do big things like you're doing now, open up, uh, basically expand the, the company even greater than what, what you already have been growing by opening up a new facility there in Glendale, moving mountains for sure. But Greg, what'd you hear there? Pace, right? I heard that the pace is so much faster and the expectations for performance are so much higher. And not that there ever was in your organization, Phil, but you know, I've said this many, many times, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, in in supply chain, we've always wanted a seat at the table, right? And yet, I think we have kind of relished the ability to hide in the background when when anything goes wrong. And now there is nowhere to hide. So, uh, you know, the um, that awareness that you've expressed is is common. It's Mm -hmm. not as common 
to continue to support it instead of hope for things to go back to normal. But um, yeah, it, it, I, I think that pace is probably the number one thing. That genie's never going back in that bottle. Darn uh, So, all right. So, Phil, um, really appreciate it. As busy as you are and the team is, I appreciate you sharing, spending some time with us here today and, and sharing again um, the latest and greatest of what's going on at uh, Sweetwater uh, that clearly so many folks hold in high esteem. You know, um, they call that the Amazon effect. It's been around for, for years and years. But I think, Greg, we should be talking about the Sweetwater effect. Right. Since we're talking about yeah, benchmarking and that gold standard. Uh, So I'm really excited to see. We'll have to reconnect maybe later this year. When's that? um, Have you already broken ground on the new facility, Phil? Yeah, we're doing the tenant improvements right now. Uh, We're going to be shipping our first orders out of there in October. Okay. Well, let's reconnect in the end of this year and and uh, everybody on the West Coast. That's right. Ordering. Let's do it. Just in time for Christmas. (laughs) That's right. We'll do it in person and grab some tacos. Uh, and maybe get a quick tour of the new uh, facility, but uh, a lot of good stuff with Phil Rich and the Sweetwater team. How can folks connect with you and Sweetwater, Phil? They can email me at phil underscore rich at sweetwater.com. Be glad to talk to you. It's just that easy. Outstanding. Um, okay. So, I'm Greg, I think get Phil. A few emails, Scott. Remember, <laughs> gang, email is not sufficient, but that's all. That's what you start with. That's what we'll start with. Uh, and of course, sweetwater.com. Uh, check them out. Yeah. Uh, get your orders in. As Greg said, uh, all you on the West Coast, you may be listening. You'll have new options soon. All right. So, Greg, I think Phil is going to play us out. Is that right? Yeah. Heck yeah. That's right. Let's see if you can name this tune. Oh, oh boy. Oh, Sweet Home Alabama. There we yes. go. <laughs> yep. There you go. Man, we're going to have to uh, connect with Phil and give him a, um, a speaker to plug into, grab some adult beverages and some tacos and invite a couple hundred of our favorite friends. That will be a great opening party for your, for your. Uh, I bet you guys have great opening, all kinds of parties. I'll bring you some strawberry rhubarb pies, guys. Okay. <laughs> there okay, fair enough. Fair enough, Phil. Well, hey, big thanks uh, to Phil Rich and the Sweetwater team, as busy as they are. Uh, it's, you know, Greg, it's always one of my favorite parts of what we do now that we're, uh, I don't know, 920 episodes deep, I think, with the main channel. I love sitting down and having genuine conversations with companies that really we've admired for quite some time and, and kind of mm-hmm. learning about them from that operational, that supply chain side. Uh, and if all of them weren't as nice as Phil Rich, man, we, we should do a couple of these a day, right? Well, if all of them could play instruments, we'd have a hell of a band, wouldn't we? <laughs> Well, hey, uh, big thanks again to Phil Rich and Sweetwater. Be sure to connect with him and and, uh, get those orders in. Big thanks to Greg White. I love having these conversations with you. Another quick shout out to Justin. Appreciate what you do, Justin, and uh, appreciate you chiming in on the front end about your uh, longtime love of Sweetwater as well. To our listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation uh, as much as we have. Hey, do what Phil's doing. Do what Phil and Sweetwater team's doing. Get out there and do good. Give forward and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.